Well, good morning. It is good to uh, be back with you all. Um, for the next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to do uh, uh, just a sh- kind of a short series called Storms of Life. Now, uh, we've all been through uh, storms, physical storms, right? I mean, there was forecast, a little bit of one last night. Fortunately, that didn't materialize. Um, but some of you um, are old enough, uh, like me, to remember uh, the blizzard of 1978. Anybody remember that? Survive that? Yeah, it was in the paper a couple uh, last week, just as a, uh, a on the what 30-year anniversary, I guess that would have been of that um, event. 40 years. I'm not that old. It can't be. Has to be only. Who invited him? No. 40-year anniversary. Man, 40 years. If you remember, if you were around anywhere in southern Indiana at that time, I mean, it just snowed, and then it snowed, and it snowed some more, right? And it was three feet deep in places, and drifts six, seven feet deep in places. It was just crazy. And then the wind chill dropped down, and nobody could do anything, right? It was just kind of one of those paralyzing storms uh, that happened that they're writing about 40 years, thank you, later um, after the fact. In our lives, in our personal lives, we have some of the same kinds of storms, right? Some of them are like the one that came last night or didn't, right? A little bit here or there, you know, maybe a little bit rocky, but we can get through it. But then there's other times that we go through things that bring us to a standstill, that rock our world totally, that we don't really know, in some cases, if we're going to survive, right? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about over the next uh, couple of weeks when we face those storms of life. Now, in, uh, by way of uh, introduction to our topic today, ask your, I'm going to ask you this question. What is the most frequent command in the Bible? Turn to your uh, neighbor and tell them what you think the most frequent command is. You think it's to be loving, you know, to love more people, to serve? What, what's the most uh, frequent command? Go ahead. Okay, how many people thought love? Love, that's a good one. Ah, wrong. All right. <laughs> How many people think serve or something, you know, anybody, anybody know? The most common command in the whole Bible is this, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. That's not how we live, though, is it? I mean, that's just not how um, we live. It's the most popular, uh, most common command in the Bible, but that's not how we live. We live in a society of fear, don't we? I mean, just there's, I mean, you all probably know people that are worry warts, right? Don't point. That's not nice. All right. But you all know people like that that just worry about everything. Um, fear is all around us. Um, some time ago, I asked my wife, Rhonda, who's a counselor, you know, and so I thought she might be able to give some keen insight into the human condition, you know. So I asked her, I said, well, what are people afraid of? You know what she said? Everything. That's exactly what she said. She said, you can't think of something that people aren't afraid of. And it wasn't really the, you know, narrowing it down that I'd hoped that she'd give me. But, you know, it's true. You know, people are scared of everything uh, and crazy things. Uh, you probably know um, that arachnophobia is what? The fear of spiders, right. But did you know that xanthophobia is fear of the color yellow? It's a thing, all right? People are scared. What about turnophobia? The fear of cheese. The fear of cheese, right. Somniophobia? Fear of falling asleep, okay? That one makes a little sense. You may be scared you're not going to wake up or something like that. What about this one? Anybody suffer from cholerophobia? That's the fear of clowns. Anybody out there? All right. Some of them are pretty scary, all right? Hylophobia, fear of trees. Omphalophobia, one of my favorites. Fear of the navel. 
Belly button fear. All right? What about this one? Nomophobia. Any nomophobes out there? That's fear of being without your cell phone. All right? That's kind of a, a recent phenomenon, but that's out there. What about, um, here's another one of my favorites, Paganophobia. Fear of beards. Fear of beards. All right? A couple more, or one more. Tr- uh, Triskaidekaphobia. Anybody? Fear of the number 13. All right? People are scared. If you can, there's literally hundreds of them. Phobialist.com, if you're interested to know what all the things that people are scared of. Phobialist.com, literally hundreds and hundreds of things that people are scared of. But what, of course, is the number one fear that people have? What would you say? Most people would say death. Snakes might be up there. Most people would say death, although in surveys, death consistently comes in number two. Do you know what number one is? Public speaking, public speaking. So, in essence, it, the reality is for most people, if they have to be up front during the funeral, they'd rather be in the box than the one giving the eulogy, all right? Because that's number two and number one. The reality is we're fearful about all kinds of things, right? I mean, all joking aside, I mean, it starts at an early age, right? When we're kids and teenagers and young adults, we, we're fearful that we're not going to fit in or that other people won't like us and we never really outgrow that uh, too much. Um, we fearful in our relationships, one that we might never find one, you know, find that special someone. Or if we do find that someone because of our history and maybe our, our parents or our grandparents or just stuff in our family, we think it's never going to last. They're going to leave and, and things are going to be really bad. Maybe for parents, we're fearful that our, our kids, you know, something bad is going to happen to them. And they're not, their life's not going to turn out like we want. Um, we're fearful about our, our health. Right? Even though um, life expectancy has greatly gone up over the last hundred years, and really we're the most healthy people that have ever lived, we can cure diseases like never before, we're the healthiest people, but we're the most worried about our health. We're worried about all kinds of things. Maybe it has to do with our jobs. We're fearful about that. Either that we won't find our our dream job, or if we do find a good job, that we'll mess it up, we won't meet expectations, that it won't be secure, and and we are fearful and anxious about our jobs. Maybe it's financially. You know, we're just nervous and worried about, are we going to have enough? Can we, uh, is there going to be enough money at the end of the month, or is it going to be the other way around? We're fearful Financially, even though things seem to be going maybe good, better, you know, in the economy at large, we're just kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop. And so there's anxiety and there's fear. Or maybe you've just turned 30 or 40 or 50 and you look at your life and you think, is it going to amount to what I wanted it to? Am I really accomplishing anything? And we have fears about that. And then we get closer toward the end of our life. And then we have fears about that. We have fears that we'll maybe die alone or sick or in pain or, or on the other end that we'll, we have fears and anxieties that we'll die young um, before we get to live our life. And so we're just fearful about all sorts of things. You turn on the television and you hear all about terrorism and people, you know, strapping bombs to themselves and blowing, blowing people up. And you think, Oh my goodness, it's crazy and we're fearful about everything. Everything in our society and culture seems to scream at us to be afraid. Be very, very afraid. What about it this morning? Anybody anxious? Anybody worried? Anybody fearful about any of that stuff? Did I press all the right buttons? (laughs) Did Did I miss anything? I mean, there's just lots of stuff for us to be fearful and anxious about. But the number one command in the Bible is not to fear. And what I want us to understand this morning is that there is a biblical antidote to fear. 
something that will allow us to break free from that fear and anxiety and worry, and something that we can apply even uh, beginning um, today. But before we get to talking about that, I want to kind of expand this idea of fear just a little bit more, because really there's two kinds of fear, right? There's good fear and bad fear. That's pretty basic, right? The Bible actually talks about there being a good fear. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And that's not a cowering uh, anxious, fretting kind of a fear. It's a, a reverence and an awe and an understanding of who He is. Someone has said, if we fear God properly, then we won't fear anything else. But if we don't fear God properly, well, we'll fear everything else. Right? So that's good fear, fearing God, putting God in His rightful spot and realizing who He is and who we are in comparison. That's good fear. But then there's bad fear. Right? You're familiar with bad fear, right? Bad fear exaggerates. Bad fear uh, causes us to, to worry and ask these what-if questions. Well, well, what if that? Yeah, yeah but what about, what about this? What about that? And it just draws, um, it deceives us, it uh, uh, causes all kinds of bad things to happen in our mind. Sometimes it paralyzes us into uh, inactivity. Now, I want you to think about uh, a time maybe back years ago, when you were in your first uh, serious dating relationship, all right? You got that? And then, you know, that significant other said, well, I'll call you when I get home. Okay, so you're watching the clock, and it's 10.30, no call. 11, no call. 11.30, no call. And what do you do? You, you think, oh, well, I'm sure they just stopped to help a friend with something. Everything's all right. I'll just check on it in the morning. That's what we think, right? No. Bad fear doesn't do that, does it? Bad fear says... They're dead, right? That's where we start. They're, they're dead, right? Something's happened. They're on the side of the road. Their life is ebbing out. They're calling out my name, and I'm not there to help them. They're dead. That's where we start. That's bad fear. Or maybe it spins around the other way. We, it's like 1130. She hasn't called. That's it. She's, she's dumping me, right? She's probably in the arms of someone else right now, whispering sweet nothings into his ear. Right? They're probably discuss- She's already accepted his proposal. They're probably now discussing the names of the children they're going to have together. Right? That's bad fear. We've all experienced that, right? It spins out of control. It says, what about this? What about that? And it uh, takes things really out of context and blows things up. But the good thing, uh, bad fear, that, that's bad fear. Bad fear allows us to be manipulated into doing things that we wouldn't ordinarily do, that we shouldn't do. Right? Bad fear has all kinds of bad consequences. Bad fear steals us of joy and of life and of, of hope. And it's important for us to know where that comes from. John, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said these words, The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. See, in the Bible it says that Satan is the one that tries to steal our joy, to steal our life, to steal our peace, and he does it by sowing fear in our minds, by asking all this, yeah, but what if, yeah, but what if, what about this, what about that? And he causes our minds to go places that doesn't allow us to live that, that Jesus came, the life that Jesus came uh, to give us. But the good news is, this morning, like I said, for followers of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, I pray that you would change that this morning. Because the good news is, as followers of Jesus, there is an antidote to fear. There's an antidote to anxiety. There's an antidote to living your life fretting and fearing um, all the time. And that antidote is simply faith. The antidote to fear is faith. Now, I know that sounds like a church answer, but let's face it, we are in church, all right? And that is actually what the Bible 
teaches that the antidote to fear is faith. Some of you that were uh, brought up in church, you probably know your Bible a little bit, probably know the, the definition of uh, faith from uh, Hebrews chapter 11 that says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Anybody remember that definition growing up? And that's okay. I mean, it's in the Bible, obviously, so that's good, all right? But this morning, I'd like us to look at a little bit different um, definition, one that might be easier for us to understand and apply. And the good news is it also comes from the Bible, all right? Uh, this definition of faith uh, is, comes from the life of Abraham, who was called the father of the faithful, and it's found in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. And it simply says this, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. That's what faith is. It continues on, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, that was the good thing that Abraham did. That's why he was called the father of the faithful, was because he just simply believed God. Now we could just kind of leave it right there, and we could be done, um, but I'd like to just tease that out a little bit, to unpack that just a little bit, and give a little bit broader definition to that. It's a, a definition I think I may have even shared for you one time uh, before, back in December when I was here. Um, but uh, Pastor Andy, Andy Stanley ex, uh, expands that a little bit, and he says that faith is believing God is who he said he is, and that he would do what he said he would do. All right? That's really the essence of what that meant in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham believed God was who he said he was and that he would do everything that he said he would do. That's what faith is. Now think about the things that you're fearful about. How would you apply that definition? If you, if you did apply that definition, how would that change your perspective on things? How could that definition work as an antidote to your fears and your worries and your anxieties? Simply believing God is who he is and that he would do what he said he would do. How could that, how might that affect the situations that you find yourself worried about and anxious about? See, the reality is that the Bible has spoken to all of our fears. God has addressed most everything that we could be concerned about uh, in uh, the Bible. Uh, and because of that, for Christians, for those of us who say we believe the Bible and who believe God, the vast majority of our fears are based either on ignorance or unbelief. All right? Because God has addressed most of our things, a lot of our fears as followers of Christ are actually based on ignorance. If faith is believing God is who He said He is and that He would do what He said He would do, we can't have faith because we don't know what He said. We don't know who God said He was and we don't know what God said He would do. And so a lot of our fears are based on ignorance. We can't have faith because we don't know what he said about himself and about our situation. So a lot of our fears are, and our anxieties are based on ignorance. But if we're honest, some of our fears, some of our anxieties are just are based on unbelief. We know what God said, but in essence we say, I don't believe you. I know you said this, but I'm still going to worry about it. I know you said you'd be with me all the time, but I know you said this, but I know you said you'd supply all my needs, but we pray that way. You know, Lord, please be with me today when God's already promised his presence all the time. Now, it's okay to pray, God, thank you for your presence today. Help me to feel it and realize your presence in my situation today. That's a whole different prayer than, God, please be with me today. 
Because of that, the idea that our fears are either based on ignorance, we don't know what God said, or unbelief, we know, um, but we don't act like it. A lot of us live in what Pastor Craig Rochelle calls practical atheism. We say we believe in God, but the way we live proves that we really don't, or we live as though we don't believe Him. Because of that this morning, we need to realize that our fears, they aren't just troublesome. They aren't just things that the devil uses to steal our hope and to steal our joy and to take the abundant life from us that Jesus came to bring us. A lot of times, our fears and our anxieties are actually sin. Romans chapter 14, 23 says, Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Well, why is that? Because basically, in our fears, we're saying, God, I don't believe you. We're basically calling God a liar. I know you said this, but I am going to believe this and allow my fears and anxieties um, to go. We're telling God, I don't believe you. Now, as I thought about all the things that we could be fearful about and everything about how the Bible addresses all those, I came up with something extremely profound. Are you ready? All right. All of our fears and anxieties, I think, can be separated into three distinct categories. All right? You see if this is true. Okay? All of our fears are based either on the past, the present, or the future. Told you it was profound. All right? But think about it. I mean, either we're fearful about things in the past. All right? We're afraid that our past is going to come back and people are going to find us out. Maybe we've done it, whatever it is, and it seems like we've gotten by with it. But we're always afraid that somebody's going to find out about it. And it's going to mess things up for us, right? That if people knew about this in our past, then they wouldn't love us. They wouldn't accept us. They would think differently about us. Even if God knew about this thing in my past, he couldn't possibly love me. We're fearful about things in our past. Most of us have things in our past that cause us anxiety, cause us fear, cause us things, uh, concern. But then there's also things in our present, right? I'm fearful that I'm not going to be able to handle the storm that's in front of me today, Right, The family situation, the, the illness, the job situation, the financial situation, whatever it is that's coming at me right now today, I'm fearful that I'm not going to be able to handle it. So we're anxious about our past. We're anxious about our present. But then we're also anxious about our future, right? Because, I mean, who knows what's out there, right? We have no idea what the future holds. And so we're anxious about our past and our, our present and our future. See, I told you that was a really profound But we're anxious about all those things. But if faith is believing God is who He said He is, and that He would do what He said He would do, what has God said about our past? What has God said about our present? What has God said about our future? Now, I don't know what your fears and anxieties are, but I bet they would all fit in one of those categories, no matter what they are. This morning, um, for just a couple minutes, I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 43 where God is going to address our broad categories of fears, our past, our present, and our future. Isaiah 43, if you've got your Bible, you can turn with me. Just going to look at the first three verses. If you don't have your Bible, it's fine. It'll be up on the screen behind me. This is what Isaiah wrote. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Now, this from now on, this is God speaking. He says this. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I believe in these three verses, God addresses the 
three broad categories of fears that are in our life. First, he addresses our past. Look at what he says. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. Regarding our past, God says he has redeemed our past. If we are in Christ, God has redeemed our past. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to redeem something? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary. Here's what Webster says. According to Webster, to redeem is to free from what distresses or harms, to extricate from or help to overcome something detrimental, to change for the better, to repair or restore, to free from the consequences of sin, to make good. Did you catch all that? God says that regarding our past, He has redeemed us. He has made it good. He has freed us from the consequences of our sin. He's freed us from that. He has redeemed us. There's nothing we have to do. He's already done it. So that's what God says about your past and my past. I have redeemed you. I have redeemed your past. With Christ, He's got it covered. Well, what about the present? Look again at what he said there in Isaiah. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. No matter what storm you're going through, he said if you're going through the water, if you're going through the fire, that's just uh, analogy, metaphors for whatever it is that's coming our way. All right? I don't know what storm you've got in your life right now. We all have them. right? Anybody in a storm? been said either you're in the storm now, you're just coming out of a storm, or you're just getting ready to go in one. All right? That's just how life is, right? It brings, it's stormy. Jesus said, don't be dismayed. In this world, you will have trouble. Anybody had any? Right. Jesus wasn't telling a lie. All right. In this world, you will have trouble. But the great news is, God said, I don't, it doesn't matter what storm you are going through, I will be with you. That's what he said about our present. I will be with you, he walks through us, with us, with whatever it is we're facing. doesn't matter what it is. So God says, past, redeemed it, got it covered. Present, I'm with you every step of the way. Never leave your side. I will be with you. Nothing that you are facing today will overcome you as long as you stick with me. That's what God's promise is to us. But what about the future? Look again at Isaiah. He said, look how God closes that. He says, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One, your Savior. I don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And God says, I am your Savior. In the future, I will save you. I am saving you, and I will save you. If we are in Christ, we've got nothing to fear. So in the past, He's our Redeemer. In the present, He's our Sustainer. He's with us every step of the way. In the future, He is our Savior. As we try to increase our faith this morning, as we're trying to kind of wrap our arms around what that means to believe God is who He said He is and that He would do what He said He would do, just for a few minutes, I want to just read some scripture over you, all right? To let you hear God's words to me and to you, to all people who are His followers. These words that you're about to hear are for you if you are a follower of Christ. And they are available to any of you. If you're not, you can be. These words can be true for you. Okay, don't try to look them up. They're going to be on the screen. But just kind of listen to these words. Let them wash over you and wash over your fears this morning. Joshua 1. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. What about this one for good news? Psalm 103. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions for us. That's good news. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are just dust. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Isaiah 41. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. Matthew 6. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? You ever notice that? We worry about stuff. Most of it didn't happen anyway. Right? Who of you, can worry uh, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those people without God, run after all those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. And Jesus said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me so that you can also be where I am. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then this one. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And friends, that's the great byproduct of faith. It's peace. It's a life not full of anxiety, but one characterized by peace. Peace is what encompasses us when we believe that God is who He is and that He will do what He said He would do. Let me ask you a question. What would your life look like? What would my life look like if we lived and acted in faith instead of fear? If if our lives were characterized by peace instead of anxiety? 
I'm convinced that in this uncertain world that we live in with all the anxiety that everybody has, if we as followers of Jesus would be known as people of peace, if people would look at us and see our life characterized not by fear but by faith, not by anxiety but by peace, that would set us apart maybe more than anything that we could do as followers of Jesus. And I remember... And when I was about, I don't know, 10 or 11, and I was just learning about, like, the Cold War and the Soviet Union and nuclear bombs and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I had this real fear in my life that I was going to be outside in the backyard playing one day, and I was going to be looking toward town, and I was going to see this big mushroom cloud, and then the world was going to end like that. And, and I never really thought about why someone would drop a nuclear bomb on Scottsburg, Indiana, but who says our fears have to be rational, Right? I bet you've got some that aren't really that rational if you would say them out loud, too. But that was a fear that I had because I was learning about that, and I thought that the world was going to end very soon by a nuclear war. Well, I told my mom that, and she spoke truth into my life that I remember to this day, and she's here, I don't know if she remembers this or not, um, but she said, she told me, God created the world, and the Bible tells us for sure that he is going to be the one that decides when and how it ends. And so could the world end by a nuclear war? Sure. But only if that's the way God had designed it and declared it from the beginning. Nothing is going to happen that's going to take God by surprise. And as long as we are a follower of him, we don't have to be fearful about how that's going to happen or when that's going to happen. And there was something very comforting to a 10-year-old boy knowing and being reminded of the truth that God was in control. Friends, God is no less in control today. That's who God is. That's who he has said he is. So here's my assignment to you today. That today, that you would identify the, the thing that you've kind of been anxious about, the thing or things that you have been kind of anxious about. What have you been concerned about in the last days, in the last weeks, in the last months? And I want you to think about what would, understanding who God is and what he has said how would that apply to that situation? Who has God said he is? What does who God is have to do with your situation? Study the scripture. Ask a friend. Ask your mom. Ask my mom. She's here. Give me a call. All right? But find out what does God say about your particular situation? Because that, friends, is the antidote to anxiety. Because he has spoken to all of our fears. What would believing God in your situation look like? Because we can't believe, we can't have faith until we know what he's actually said about himself and how it applies to our situation. There's all kinds of fears that we face. I don't know what you're facing this morning. Maybe it has to do with your work, your marriage, your finances, your kids, your health. All kinds of different things that we could be faced with. What I do know is that living a life of fear and anxiety is not the life that God has intended for you. He wants you to have a life of peace and of joy and of hope, characterized by faith in Him so that His peace can encompass your life. One afternoon, uh, several years ago, uh, about eight or nine years ago, a big storm came through. Right, the, sto- the clouds got dark and the wind picked up and was blowing and I, I was at work, and I didn't realize how bad it was because I had an office at that time that didn't have any windows. But I walked down the hallway, and I walked past our children's minister's office, and he was on the phone to his wife, who happened to work at the elementary school where my kids went at that time. 
And I, he, he, she was telling him that the storm was so bad that the, the school was holding the kids after school. They weren't sending them to the buses to let the storm pass. And so then the kids could go to the bus. Well, I knew my kids had after school activities, so they weren't going to be riding the bus anyway. But I also knew that things weren't good. Okay? Because my kids at that point in their life were afraid of storms. Now, a healthy fear of storms is one thing, right? That's what causes you to get off the golf course when there's lightning, right? That's good, okay? Their fear kind of had gone beyond that, okay? It was more what I would call unhealthy fear. They got it from their mama, okay? But they were scared, so I knew that this was going to just throw them for a loop, all right? And so I told my friend Phil, I said, please tell Marcia to find my kids and tell them that their daddy knows what's going on He's aware of their situation that everything is going to be okay. Could you, could you have her tell him, tell him that? So she went and found my son Chase, who was in the third grade, and she, he said, thanks for telling me, because I wasn't done with my afraidness yet. <laughs> what about you this morning? I, I don't know what fears you've got. I don't know what storms are hitting you. I don't know how dark the clouds are. I don't know how, how, how the wind is howling. I don't know how things are shaking in your life. But I do know that you have a daddy, you have a father in heaven who is sending you a letter that says, I know your situation, I haven't forgotten about you, and it's going to be okay because I am with you. What about you? Are you done with your afraidness yet? Isn't it time this morning to believe God is who he said he is, that he would do what he said he would do, surrender your fears to him so that he could pour his peace on you and give you the life that he came to give you. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for your promise of peace that transforms all understanding or that that goes past all understanding, you said. God, we have all kinds of things that we're fearful about because we are so powerless. God, help us to realize that you are so powerful that you have spoken to all of our fears, that you have spoken to our anxieties. And if there's nothing in our past, you've taken care of it. There's nothing in our present that we can't handle because you're walking right beside us. There's nothing that will come us in our future that we should be fearful of because you are our Savior. God, thank you for those promises. Help them just to sink in and become real to us today. And God, I pray that if someone is here who's not a follower of you, who can't grasp onto those, that they would do that today, that they would sign up for that great peace that you've offered through Jesus. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.